I'm so happy that you are here, and I believe that God's Word will provide the spiritual food that your spirit needs in order to be nourished, to be strong, and to be healthy in the things of God. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to Psalm 115. And let's drop down to verse 12. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God, and you are going to be blessed. Praise the Lord. Psalm 115, verse 12. The Lord has been mindful of us, and the Lord is mindful of you. He thinks of you day and night. You are constantly on the mind of the Lord, and He's God. He has that ability to do that. Even with so many of us on the earth, he's thinking of you day and night. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, let's jump back to verse 14 just for a moment. May the Lord give you increase more and more. I really believe that that's God's plan, His intention within His heart to bring His increase into your life. Your spiritual being, yes, absolutely. But this is also speaking in context directly to your financial situation. God wants you blessed. The Jewish people knew that when you obeyed the covenant and you followed the commandments of God, that one of those rewards, one of those blessings was financial prosperity, increase. And God promises increase more and more when we meet his biblical conditions. Now, Knowing that that's God's will for your life, let me say this. Don't let sin come into your life and interrupt this beautiful plan that God has for you of increase. Don't let sin interrupt the increase that God has planned for you. If you play around with sin, it will, not maybe, not might, no, it will destroy your prosperity. You have to understand sin is very, very dangerous. It's deceitful. It promises you something, and there will be temporary pleasure associated with it. But the result of when that begins to fully play out is death. Not just spiritual death, but the, it leads to physical death. I was sitting in a business yesterday that I was going to to get some things taken care of. And while I was sitting there, uh, there was a song that began to play over the loudspeaker radio. And this business had, uh, you know, music kind of being piped all throughout a, a, a certain place. And while I was sitting in that area and I overheard a song that was being played. Now, this is all secular music or what we would call worldly music. I heard a song being played sung by a man that had a wonderful voice, and the song was very sensual. It was, it was um, not trying to hide its direct, I could say maybe the word implications, or maybe the word just do it 
of going out and committing sin. And in the context of what he was talking about, he was singing about sexual sin. And he was wide open with it. <laughs> wow. And I remember when that song first came out uh, some years back, uh, because it actually came out in the 80s. But you know what? That man that sang that song is dead. He died of a, uh, of, of a disease that's associated with a certain type of sexual immorality. And he's dead. And he's six feet under now. And you have to think, I wonder when he agreed to initially sing that song. And that song brought millions and millions of dollars to him through all the albums and records that it sold around the world. But, oh, what a cost. What a cost. And as far as I know, he never came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. Sin is extremely dangerous. It can not only take you to hell, but it can also completely destroy the increase, the prosperity that God has planned for you. Be very, very careful to stay away from sin. Praise the Lord. Now, Job, who was very wealthy, he had tremendous financial assets, knew how dangerous sin was. Now, he was a righteous man. He went through a period in his life where he had a great test. But you know what? He passed that test. But through that great trial, he learned some amazing things about the Lord, and he also made some amazing statements. I would like for you to see one of those statements found in the book of Job, chapter 31, and let's go to verse 11, Job 31, verse 11. Praise the Lord. Job 31, verse 11. Now, Job is about to make a statement in the context of what would happen to him if he got involved in immorality. But let me go further. He begins with that as an example, but he merges into the context of the chapter referring to what happens to a godly person if they begin to get into sin, regardless of what kind it is. And he covers many different topics, many different areas that he was tempted in, but he overcame, and he did not yield to. But listen to this in verse 11. For that would be wickedness, referring to sin. That would be wickedness. Yes, it would be iniquity, deserving of judgment. For that would be a fire that consumes to destruction and would root out all my increase. Now, here's a righteous man, a very godly man who was very close to the Lord, he was very wealthy. You can have wealth. Let me say it again. You can have wealth and walk with the Lord. But in order to do that, you have to stay very close to the Lord, and you must refuse to allow sin to come into your life. Because Job said that he knew that if he got involved in sin, and he goes further in the remaining verses in this chapter to open up all the various sins that presented themselves to him, and he said no to he said if he got involved in sin, it would root out all of his increase. Oh, Pastor Stephen, that's talking about spiritual increase. No, it's not. That's talking about his finances. And he was basically saying, I made sure that I did not get involved in sin because he said, I, I knew that would root out, that would destroy the financial increase that God has brought into my life. And he recognized that the blessing that he was walking in was directly associated with his relationship with God. Praise God. Now, 
The word root out in Hebrew is the word sharash. And it means, now listen to this. This is powerful. It means to reach down and to the ground. You can either do it with your hand. The reference in the Hebrew is, is, is either with an instrument, maybe like an axe, or even could refer to your hand. To reach down into the ground and pull out by the roots the good thing that you had planted. The good thing that you had going for you that was growing and doing so well and flourishing and producing fruit for you and being a blessing to your life. Job said that when you get involved in sin and you're practicing sin, it's like reaching down with your hand and yanking up the blessing, the financial increase of God and destroying it. Mm -mm. Think about that. Now, if there's anybody watching me and you are practicing sin, you are involved in sin and you say, well, Pastor Stephen, God's grace is there for me. God's grace is there to wash away your sin if you repent. But if you keep on going, if you keep on going as much as God loves you, if you keep on going, you are violating biblical principles. And what's going to happen is that the devil's going to come in. The devil's going to come in because he has legal permission and he will touch your finances. And by you engaging in that sin and enjoying whatever pleasure that would be that's being uh, received through that sin, it's going to lead. Let me tell you right now, it will lead to financial destitution. Stop it right now before it's too late. Praise the Lord. Repent of all sin and very importantly, turn from it, walk away from it and be involved in it. No further from this moment forward. Praise the Lord. Now, when you do that and when you're walking with the Lord, then my friends, that verse of Psalm 115 verse 14 will spring forth into your life with such power and such beauty. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. I see your increase being firmly established in your life. I see you guarding and protecting the blessings of God, knowing the seriousness and the dangers of sin and saying, hey, I see you out there. I've heard you not, but I'm not answering. I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Job understood this revelation, and I pray that you understand it as well, and that you take your walk with the Lord very seriously, and you protect the anointing, you protect the blessing, because out of that beautiful walk with the Lord, trust me, God wants to bless you. He's thinking about it day and night, how he can bless you and get his increase into your life. But you must work with his principles. You must honor his commandments. And obedience unto the commandments of God, it's not something that's optional. It's something that the Lord Jesus expects from you, even requires from you. Praise God. And when you're walking in the commandments of the Lord, increase, increase, increase will be all around you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, let me also say before praying for you today for your finances, Use your faith for increase. Realize that this is God's word. This is not somebody's opinion. This is the word of God. May the Lord give you increase more and more. 
Hallelujah. Use your faith for that. Believe God for that. Lord, I see in your word that this is your will for my life. Lord, I'm believing you for it. And use your faith. God, I'm in faith for increase. Woo! Praise the Lord. You don't need any faith to go downhill. All you have to do is walk in fear and unbelief. And before you know it, you can open yourself up to uh, the negative circumstances. But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to stay in faith. Every need met. Every bill paid on time. Debts paid off, paid off, paid off, and gone. Praise the Lord. And overflow. And God's blessed portion fully operating in your life of increase and not just increase. Watch this. This is the nature of God. Increase more and more. Mm -mm. Oh, the Lord is good. Let me tell you right now from this pulpit that the Lord is good. If you'll walk with him, you'll have a pleasant taste in your mouth. But if you disregard the commandments of God, you'll have a bitterness in your mouth and you'll be like, God, why is it not working? Because it could very well be that you are uprooting the very source of increase by doing things that would be displeasing to the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. I'll never forget when I was a young man in my 20s and I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. I spoke with other tongues and I began to really draw near to the Lord. But I was still very young in these things. And I went out and I saw a movie. And it had all types of uh, uh, like horrific images of horror and uh, violence and things like that. And I came out of that movie and I knew, I knew I had grieved the Holy Spirit by what I had just allowed to come in through my eye gates. And I said, I said, Holy Spirit, your presence is completely gone. I said, that movie really offended you, didn't it? And I just felt like in order to bring the presence of the Lord back into my life, I needed to make a decision. I said, Lord, I said, from this day forward, I will never, ever watch movies like that again. And I repented, and the presence of the Lord came back. Woo! So you have to maintain the presence of the Lord through a manner of living that glorifies God, that honors the Lord. Mm -mm. The Holy Spirit, He's not a fog or a cloud. He's a person. Yes, He's God. He is the third member of the deity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person, and you can grieve Him by doing things that are disobedient. But my friends, walk in the light of God's Word and enjoy the presence of the Lord and enjoy the prosperity and the blessing and the financial increase of God, and you can use it for His glory. Heavenly Father, I'm praying for your people that this be a time, regardless of what's going on there out there in the world with this problem or that problem or that situation. Father, regardless of those things, the covenant prevails over all of those external circumstances. And we are covenant people, and we choose to walk in harmony with your word, your scripture. So, Father, we thank you. We believe you. For increase, and I'm praying, Father, for your people that you would give them increase more and more as they honor you with their finances, as they bring the tithe into the storehouse, as they sow seed. We thank you, Father, that increase more and more 
is a standard way of operating for them. And your blessing proves true, regardless of any shakings in the earth. Your blessing proves true. We thank you, Father, right now for increase more and more. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Now, let's do our part. God will do his part. Let's do our part of obedience. Let's bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse. For those of you that prefer to mail your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. Now, if you prefer to bring your tithe and your offering in, Online, You can do so anytime, day or night. Please go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says give. It's red, has a heart on it. And you can click that and you can bring the tithes and the offerings in anytime from anywhere around the world, day or night, through that safe and secure internet portal. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. Bless your people, Father, with great increase, more and more in Jesus' name. Say, I receive. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now today, let's go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And we want to talk about working our way into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We want to come into His presence by faith. We want to know how to get there, and very importantly, how to be a dweller in that place. Let's pray. Father, as we go into your word for today's sermon, today's study, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now, illuminating the eyes of our understanding so that we can move forward with you. Thank you, Father God, for new levels of blessing, new levels of understanding, new levels of illumination. Thank you, Father God, for taking us higher we thank you for this spiritual vision in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Revelation chapter 3, for those of you that are new in the faith, this book is very easy to find in your Bibles. It is the last book in the Bible. We're going to be today in verse, excuse me, chapter 3. And let's go down to verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Woo! God wants you to be on fire for him serving Him, living for Him. And I really want to speak to some that would be on the fence, riding the fence of lukewarmness. Some that are very settled in what I would call a mediocre Christian life. Let me tell you, it's a very dangerous place to be. Mm -mm. And you need to come on with the Lord. And, and, and if your brother-in-law won't come on, you need to go anyhow. And if your best friend won't come on, you need to move on anyhow. Praise the Lord. And if your church doesn't want to move on and wants to stay stuck back in the 1700s, you need to, you need to keep moving forward in your faith and in your walk with the Lord. 
Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with salve, that you may see. Wow. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We live in an age that is very much like the church in Laodicea, a time where there's lukewarmness, a time in the Western church. I can't speak for the global church, but I can speak for the Western church where there is a lot of ease, where there's a lot of comfort. There's a lot of feasting, but very little fasting, a lot of playing around, but very little praying. A lot of religious activity, that's for sure, but very few that are able to work their way past all the bells and whistles and all the noise, and a lot of times, a lot of the rituals, in order to say, Lord, I know there must be more, and you're right, there is more. So you want to make sure that in a very dangerous age in which we live, in, in which we find ourselves, that we ourselves don't fall asleep spiritually, lulled by all the comforts and by all of the, the ease that would be around us. Because there are Christians in other nations that right now, as we are together, and I'm sharing this with you, they are in fierce persecution. And the very fact that a person in these particular countries would receive Christ means that in order for them to receive Christ, they have counted the cost. And the cost is something that they have to really consider. But they've counted it, and they have said, I want Christ. And they are saved, washed with His blood. But my friends, it comes with an understanding that in some of these countries, the moment you accept Christ. It means usually, number one, you're probably going to lose your job. Wow. Now think about that from the Western church's perspective. <laughs> and yes, prosperity is important. And God's aware that you have bills to pay. God's aware that you need food to eat. God's aware that you need a place to lay your head and sleep that's comfortable, that's safe, and so forth. God's aware of all of that. But right there in, in the case of many Christians, oh, they, they bail out on God real quick on that one. But you have to understand in many countries, the very fact that you receive Christ, if that is found out, and usually it is, number one, you're probably going to lose your job. Number two, you could lose your home. You could lose your place of residence. And they say, we don't want you here because this is going to bring trouble and persecution upon us. Number three. You could receive persecution from family members. Number four, you're probably going to receive persecution from the government. And you could go to prison. That's a very real possibility for many believers all over the world right now. You could go to prison. And you could be beaten. You could be tortured. You could be separated from your spouse. You could be separated from your children. They could take your children. Or they could take you. And you, might be, you may not see them ever again. So this thing is very, very real. And in a Laodicean age, 
and in a church, particularly in America, where there's a lot of silliness in the church today. Look, if you see the swamp in Washington, D.C., there's a swamp in the church, too. The church has gotten bogged down with a lot of, uh, uh, I would just call it uh, going through the routine, uh, just a lot of fluff messages that are nice and sweet, but they're not preaching the full counsel of God's Word and giving you what I would call the full loaf of bread. They're just giving you a piece of this or that, maybe a positive message, and we need to have a positive message, but we also need to share with the people of God the meat of God's Word and feed them so that they become strong and they can stand when times are difficult. Praise the Lord. You know, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was revolutionary for me. Now, I had grown up in a mainline denominational church. This church, this denomination, I won't say the name of it, but it's quite well known in America. But they, they do not, they still to this day, do not believe in modern day miracles. They do not believe in casting out devils. They certainly don't believe in speaking in tongues. They, they actually think that if somebody were to speak in tongues today, they would actually say that's the devil. They would attribute that to the devil. They're not trying to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. They just think that stuff doesn't happen anymore. And they don't believe in what we know as the gifts of the Spirit and all of the wonderful things that, you know, that we know now that belong to us in Christ, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, because... I found out that what I was hearing in the denomination that I was raised in, it was enough to get me saved. Thank God. Thank God that the preacher preached the gospel message. I heard it. I, re I, repent. I repented of my sins and I got saved. But I was going through life as a Christian just getting the daylight speed out of me. I didn't know the power of the cross. I did not know how to have a close walk with God. I didn't know how to develop a prayer life. And whenever I tried, I would be so distracted. I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I couldn't pray. And I, I just couldn't get victory in life. I was impatient. I was frustrated. Uh, I, I had, you know, various issues in my life that I was dealing with. And I did not have the victory. That, I, that it seemed like to me that the Bible was promising. So there was a major disconnect. But when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I knew this is not the end all. This was the beginning of a deeper walk with God. And you need to also understand that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a crowning moment where, the, you know, like you wave a Pentecostal flag and say, this is it. This is the apex of the Christian experience. No, that's just the beginning of going into the deeper walk with the Lord. But that's just the initial experience. You're supposed to go on with that. Praise God. Well, when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, uh, I was on fire. And I happened to have received it in a church that was predominantly made up of a bunch of us all in our 20s. And even the pastor, he was in his late 20s. And uh, we were all really wet behind the ears with the Pentecostal experience. It was new to all of us just about. And it uh, seemed like every week uh, more of us were, you know, more, more would come in from denominational churches and get filled with the Spirit. So it was, in a sense, like a mini revival that was going on. But we were having a time of our lives, and we were all on fire and just uh, praying all the time and reading our Bibles all the time. We were consumed with God and the things of God. Well, when I would get around my parents, 
uh, and start talking about, you know, miracles and the power of God and the joy of the Lord and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, I, I would notice that the reaction didn't seem to be very reciprocating in the sense that they thought this was as wonderful as I did. And, uh, you know, but I, a lot of that, I was just naive. I thought, well, hey, we've been in darkness. We've been in a, 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 a desert wasteland. Everybody would want this. Well, not everybody did want it. And I tried to share it with many in my church that I had grown up with and uh, got that blank stare, that blank look. And uh, they, you know, some some were nice and just said, you know, Stephen, that's cool, but that's that's just not for me. I like it the way it is. And they decided just to stay there. That was their choice. But you know, I had revelation. I, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and so I knew that I had to go on. Well, the church that I was going to uh, before I fully committed to the little Pentecostal church, the mainline denominational church that I was going to, you know, the, the college youth pastor just said, Stephen, you know, you've changed. And uh, a lot of the change is just, uh, it's incredible. I, you've come alive with the things of God, but it's just like a little too, uh, uh, you know, like Pentecostal because that, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. I said, yeah, but it's all true. It's all real. And he had a, you know, theology degree and all of that. And he said, well, he said, yeah, I'm familiar with all of that. But it's just, you know, we can't really do that around here. And I said, okay, that, that's fine. And I, I ended up just going all the way over with the Pentecostal type church so I could just enjoy it fully and not, you know, try to, you know, act like this is not who I am when it really was who I was. So uh, that's where I ended up at. But my parents also didn't understand me. And I remember when I uh, sat down with my mom and dad and talked with them uh, because they wanted to ask questions, you know, what's happened to you and stuff like that. Uh, well, the more I talked, they just listened. And when I finished talking, they said, Stephen, we want you to know how much we love you, but we also want you to know that we believe that you have lost your mind, but we are willing to pay for you to see the best uh, psychiatrist that money can afford so that we can help you get your, your head fixed. <laughs> and I said, and you know what? It didn't faze me one bit. I said, you know, I, what I said, this is very, very interesting because the whole time I was raised in church. And, you know, I was saved. I, I eventually got saved. But the whole time, even after I was saved and struggling with all kinds of sin issues and, you know, going through my Christian journey like a bump on a log, uh, you know, kind of like lost in the fog, uh, you know, you guys never said anything. You thought I was fine. But now that I'm on fire for God, serving the Lord, now, now you think I'm crazy. So I just said, like, who's, who really is the one that's crazy? I said, I just cannot live this life anymore of, you know, kind of like repeating first grade over and over again. Once you've done that for forever, you're just like, isn't there something else? And there, there is. So I was very respectful to my parents. Uh, but I said, I must go on with the Lord. And, you know, they cut, they cut off all support for college, cut off everything. Uh, some of the things they were doing, you know, like paying for my car insurance, whatever, they cut all that off too. And I said, that's okay, I understand. But I, I had to go on with the Lord. But from that day forward, they pretty much blackballed me. In, in other words, you're out. Uh, and, and if you ever drop this thing of the Holy Spirit and this tongues business and this so-called baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you ever drop that, then you can come back into the family. So it was a cutoff. 
And what I didn't know, I found out later because my brother told me, is that my parents had called all of my college friends. <laughs> and, that I, and I didn't know, kind of called them behind my back, had called all of them and said, Stephen has lost his mind. And, uh, you know, just uh, you, you may if you see him, just be aware he's lost his mind and stuff like that. So uh, uh, all this funny stuff was going on. But really, yeah, it, it cost me a lot to move on with God, to leave, to leave something that uh, brought me into Christ. But to realize they're not going anywhere. They don't want to go anywhere. They're, they're still living literally back in the 1600s. They're living on the revelation that that denomination received back in the late 1600s, and they've camped there, and they're not coming off that till, uh, till Jesus comes back. And you know what? If that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I must go on. I must go on because uh, the lukewarmness that was there, um, whoo, uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. I was about to go crazy. I was about to go stir crazy. Praise the Lord. And it really did. It felt like. Uh, sitting maybe like in third grade over and over again when you're ready to uh, go for some master classes. It, it was just like uh, driving me crazy. Praise the Lord. So you, sometimes you just have to make that decision and say, Lord, I'm going to go on with you even, even if all should just pull back and say, you know what, uh, we're not going to do it. Trust me, there are multitudes Moving on with the Lord right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God will bring you into that, that fellowship. That fellowship. Sometimes it's, there's even the fellowship of suffering where you connect with others and they understand what? The same things happened to them. Same thing has happened to them. But you must move on. Verse 19. Jesus said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, this is amazing. As many as I love. A lot of people would say that Jesus, he's just sweet, he's nice, he's always just super sweet. Uh, that, that is one part of him. But you're really grossly misleading other brothers and sisters in the Lord if that's the only side of Jesus you ever present. It is a gross misrepresentation of the character and the nature and the person of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I've talked about some of those experiences before the time I actually had a vision of when the Lord appeared to me and he didn't come uh, to me to release a blessing or to share something wonderful. He came to me uh, to bring a rebuke uh, for something that I had done. I had gotten into doubt and unbelief in a great trial in a great trial, knowing that the Lord was watching. I, I fumbled the ball and I, I looked at the circumstances and the Lord saw that, and he came to rebuke me for my unbelief. Wow. Praise the Lord. But you know what? That set me straight. Woo. Praise the Lord. If you're ever in the trial, don't think God doesn't see. Just keep moving forward with the Lord and stay in faith, and eventually you're going to come out of that storm. You'll come out of that situation, and God will bless you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me to him who overcomes. I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Now this thing of overcoming is very, very important. If defeat has become routine in your life, there's something that you don't know that you need to know. 
And that's why we know from God's word where he said to the prophet Hosea, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. So if there is defeat, failure, some element of destruction or being destroyed, it could be that there's something that God wants you to know that you simply don't know. And there's a lot of Christians. They've never been taught how to be an overcomer, how to overcome sin, how to overcome temptation, how to overcome. How about this one? The flesh. Woo! Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Praise the Lord. There are those that will face martyrdom. It's a big planet. There are those probably today who will face martyrdom. But for others, God has a different path. And it's that of being a living martyr where you die to self and you die to the pull of a fallen world that says, just come run wild and enjoy yourself. Live for all that you can because life will soon be over and you'll die and be in the grave. Well, my friends, the living martyr realizes that true life can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! And that's where it begins. Because Jesus said, you have to lose your life in order to find the life I have for you. And he who tries to keep his life, his own plan, his own, I'm going to do it this way. He who tries to keep his life will lose the God life. That plan, that beautiful path that God has for you, you'll never know it. It will be veiled. Because those that are prideful and arrogant, even though they may be a believer, if they're prideful and arrogant, that beautiful path, God will veil it. He will veil it. But you can only get on it through humility and seeking after the Lord and embracing what God has for you. And you'll find out. You'll find out what true living really is. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise today. We're coming into a time where the messenger must become the message. Pastor Stephen, I want to testify. That's good. That's good that you can testify. But the Lord wants you to be a living testimony. Mm -mm. The Lord wants you to be able to not just stand up and say something and then sit down and go live another way. If you share the gospel with someone, they're going to be looking at your life. They may never, they may never read this initially. Now if they get saved. I'm sure they will. But initially what they're going to read is you Woo! praise the Lord. So the messenger must become the message. I'm going to step into something just for a moment. I'm going to, I'm going to veer into something by the Holy Spirit. We have two political parties in our nation. One is Democrat, one is Republican. It's not a secret that for the majority of those who are Democratic, they embrace a mindset, an ideology 
a belief pretty much that would run contrary to Scripture. They delight in abortion, and, and, and they knowingly do. They, they, they have no problem with killing babies, and that's just part of their platform that they stand on and they embrace. And many things that God directly in His Word, God called an abomination, they actually say it's wonderful. They say it's good, and they embrace that within their party, and they celebrate it. And there is an attitude of, doesn't matter if you cheat it, long as you win, and nobody finds out, it's okay. And so this whole area of ethics and morality, and there are absolute rights, and there are absolute wrongs, it's really all thrown out the window. And they know that. And they, they, don't, they don't care. That's just the way they are. And they also hate Israel. And they don't believe that God has a, a plan for Israel or that, you know, the promises of the Bible, all that stuff. They, they just don't believe that. They may act religious. But as for a part, uh, it's just all a facade. And they just, just really want to stay in power and multiply corruption. And that's just what they do. And they don't mind now that everything's out of the bag, really, uh, it's, just a big, it's just a big mess that they uh, choose to live in. Cheating, lying, they don't think any of that stuff's wrong. Now, we have a Republican Party. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. For the Democrats, they do certain things that are, that are wrong, and they, they just don't care. But for the Republicans, you could have a Republican that can say, I'm conservative, and I'm pro-life. And all that's good, right? That, that's good. They're, they're endeavoring at least on paper to more come into a harmony with what the Bible would say, uh, these are standards of truth. But at the same time, if they're going to stand there and look over at the Democrats and say, now, uh, the things you guys are doing are corrupt, <laughs> the, the processes that you carry out, uh, it's unconstitutional. It's unlawful. Now, we know you don't care. You're going to do it anyhow, but that's not right. Well, for a Republican to say that, the, the messenger must be the message. In other words, the Democrats are going to look right back at you and say, well, you're telling us that what we're doing is wrong, but you're over here and you're doing, uh, you're making a lot of money by having these Senate or congressional closed-door meetings where you're getting top-level briefings, and then you, Mr. Republican or Mrs. Republican Senator, you come right out of that meeting, oh, and then you call your broker on the phone, and you make a big stock trade to either save your finances or move them over and sell those shares and reinvest them in something else, and you make millions of dollars off that, yeah, you're going to turn around after having done insider trading, and you know it's illegal, but you didn't get caught because you know how to work that system, and you're going you're gonna to tell us over here that what we're doing is wrong. So it's like the, uh, you know, the pot call, calling the kettle black. It's just total hypocrisy, and it is. It is. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should the Republicans do? Repent. If you're a Republican and you call yourself a Christian, stop taking bribes. Stop taking illegal or illicit funds. Stop doing things that are unethical. Even if it's legal, it may not be moral. Whew. Stop doing stuff like that. Mm -mm. 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord, the Lord will take care of the corruption in the Democratic Party. They're, they're corrupt and they're no, they know they're corrupt. They don't care. They know that. They know that's just how they operate. <laughs> Cheat, lie, steal, mismanage money by the billions. They don't care. That's just what they do. And they know that. They know that. They just want to stay in power and keep doing that. But the Republicans, they don't need to be so much focused on why there are so many radical Democrats. They, the Republicans need to repent. And the, they need to get their lives right with God. Mm -mm. And the Lord will take care of the Democrats. That's just my take on that. Praise the Lord. How can you say that you stand for truth if you're a Republican and then you turn right around and you use profanity? And you're just, you know, like a, I don't know, you're so compromised in your life. Praise the Lord. There needs to be repentance amongst our political leaders from the White House down. Praise God. Yes, I'm praying for Mr. Trump, but I believe, I believe President Trump, somebody close to him, some, some of these so-called prophets and ministers that are visiting the White House need to say, Mr. President, you confess that you're a born-again Christian, but the Scripture says, why, why, if you profess that this is your, you know, your place, that you're a believer, how can salt water be flowing from a freshwater spring. In other words, why, why are you using so much profanity, cursing constantly, yet you say that you're a Christian? You'd stop doing that. You, you need to really examine the words that are coming out of your mouth, and you need to repent for doing that. Whoo, praise the Lord. See, it's wrong. There, there just needs to be repentance. People need to live right. Now, we, we see all the phony stuff because anybody just about can see through all the phony stuff. But for those that are saying they're legitimate, that we are the defenders of the Constitution, and we are the ones that are upholding ethics and morals and values, then you need to live it. You need to live it, and you need to stop all the corruption. Woo, praise the Lord. See, we need some pastors that when they go to the White House and they're invited to, to say a few things at the, uh, at the prayer meeting. Yeah, they need to say a few things, all right. They need to say, you all need to repent because you're saying things, but you're living totally opposite of what you're saying. Now, if that doesn't apply to you, you should be able to sit here and the message uh, shouldn't phase you one bit. You should be comfortable. But if you're living a double standard, you should be wanting to squirm in your seat and you should repent. Mm -mm. Yes, we have the we have the far leftists. We have the radicals. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, the issue is those that say one thing, say this is the right way to live. Yet they're not even they're not even living what they proclaim. And it's total hypocrisy. And there needs to be repentance. And that also starts with pastors in pulpits all across America. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you today. You know, if you'll just start getting close to the Lord, the, you'll get into the presence of the Lord, and the wisdom of God will begin to flow. What is wisdom? Let's see if we can define it through several different definitions. The wisdom of God, number one, is the ability to anticipate a consequence. In other words, if we do this, this we anticipate is going to result in this. And that's wisdom. You do a good thing, 
it's going to end up producing good stuff. Wisdom also says, hey, if we're involved in this over here, and this is not good. Eventually, that's going to produce a consequence that's not going to be good. We shouldn't do that. Absolutely. Now, wisdom is also the ability to discern difference. Number one, the difference between good and evil. And the Bible gives standards for what is good and also what God calls evil. And the Bible is truth. And anytime anyone anywhere tries to redefine truth, you're going to end up later in a big mess. Whether you tried to re redefine the truth of biblical marriage, of what God said marriage is between man and a woman, or you try to redefine truth on identity of gender, what a man is, what a woman is, all of this stuff. Anytime you start changing what God defined as truth, you're going to end up in a real mess. Mm -mm. What is wisdom? It is the ability to discern, to discern different difference between good and evil, right and wrong, and then it just branches into all kinds of other uh, areas of discerning difference. Praise the Lord. And when you are in the presence of the Lord, walking close to Him, praise God, refusing to be distracted by all the craziness of the world and sitting at the feet of the Lord, that wisdom will begin to be imparted into you. And the first thing you'll see with wisdom is you'll see people doing crazy things and you'll see right through it. You'll say, you'll say, well, now hold on a minute. You're saying one thing. You're saying that what they are doing is wrong and what they are doing is wrong, but you're doing wrong yourself. So this is, you know, uh, this is what's diluting everything. Mm -mm. Wow. Praise God. You know, the Lord, He wants us to go into the Holy of Holies. Most Christians are living in the outer court. The outer court was called the court of the Gentiles, and it's where the majority of the people were at. But only the Levites and only the priests could go into the tabernacle itself. They, they were the only ones that could go into the holy place. And there in the holy place, you had the table of showbread, 12 loaves of bread, each loaf representing one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then over on the side, you had the seven flamed menorah, the, the lampstand that was always burning. And then in the center, you had the altar of incense. But then beyond that beautiful curtain, back behind the curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. Pastor Stephen, are they going to find that one day? Well, it's probably been melted down sometime in antiquity. But even if it was still kept and still found, it's nothing more than a phenomenal ancient relic. Because we are now in a new covenant. And God no longer dwells between the cherubim and an Old Testament tent or temple type system. He now indwells the believer. So under that old covenant system, when you went into the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest could do that once a year, 
one day out of the year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and the high priest would actually go in four times to carry out very specific requirements that were addressed in the Law of Moses, and he would do those things. But in there was the Ark of the Covenant, and three things were inside the Ark of the Covenant beneath the mercy seat. The three things were, number one, the golden pot of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and two tablets of stone. My friends, God wants to form us into overcomers. The Lord wants to do a work in us where we are seen as, in a sense, the Ark of the Covenant, the carriers of the glory, the light upon you. But the light does not come upon compromised people, even if they're Christians. Isaiah chapter 60, the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. That is the purified church. That is the spotless bride of Christ. Not the compromised church that says one thing and lives a completely different other type of life. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. God wants us to become an ark of the covenant, a carrier of the Shekinah glory. Just as there were two tablets of stone with the commandments, the Ten Commandments written upon them. God has now written His commandments upon the tablets of our hearts. And we know inwardly by the guiding of the Holy Spirit what is pleasing to the Lord and what is wrong, what is displeasing to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we need to live by the Spirit of the law. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And it becomes a privilege and a joy to serve the Lord. His commandments are never burdensome. They're actually liberating. And they're joyful to keep. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's also, as we mentioned, the golden pot of manna. And when you step into the, the life of an overcomer, walking close with God, living in His presence, then you are allowed and privileged to eat the secret hidden manna. You have revelation. You have spiritual food that others who refuse to move on with God, who camp in these mundane levels of just uh, very, very shallow waters, they don't even know that hidden manna exists. Wow. But that becomes your food. That's the angel's food. That's the eagle saint's food. And you are fed that by the Spirit of God Himself. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And of course, when that becomes your diet, many don't understand you. They don't understand why you don't listen to the music that they listen to. Well, it's because I don't want demons crawling into my ears. You know, if you could see into the Spirit, uh, the average Christian, if they could see into the Spirit, it would terrorize them some of the things that they would see. How demons, evil spirits, can actually ride on the frequencies of certain music that is unholy 
and ungodly. And as that music comes in, or as those movies or TV shows come in, it's not just entertainment. There are evil spirits riding on that, manifesting through nightmares and bad dreams and just what we would call maybe bad vibes because it's all evil from the dark realm. You know, I had a friend of mine one time when I was going to a, a, a Christian college and he was getting his Bible degree and he, he had learned Hebrew and he had learned Greek and he had learned theology. But a lot of that stuff was all in his head. He even knew it was. He was just like, you know, Stephen, my life is kind of dry. I'm learning all this stuff. And I'm supposed to be a preacher. And uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to pray. <laughs> so, but yet uh, he and I were friends and we, we had actually, he and I had committed to go uh, on a two-year missionary program. Uh, the Lord changed all of that because we really weren't ready for that. And the Lord redirected our paths. And that was okay. But you know what? Uh, one day in the midst of all of his religious education and learning all of this stuff, one day he met a Satanist. And uh, this is while we're still in college. He met a Satanist and this guy said, hey, come into my van. I want to show you a few things in my van. And he thinking, well, hey, this stuff can't faze me. I, I've, got, I've got an education. I know, I know everything about the Bible. This stuff of the devil is all fake. It's just a bunch of hocus pocus. And he went and sat down in this van. The guy closed the door and showed him some things. And evil, such evil power swept into that van. It struck, it struck my, my friend with terror. And he came out of that van and, and uh, told that guy, I never want to see you again. And uh, and he, he said, Stephen, he said, I'm taking every, now this is back in the day where you had cassette tapes. I'm taking every cassette tape I've had of all this secular music. And, he, you know, he, he had it all because he listened to it. He said, I'm burning it. I'm getting rid of it. He said, this evil stuff is real. It comes in through music and uh, it comes in through these different forms of entertainment. And I do not want to be defiled with this. Now, look, this is why many Christians, they have deformed souls. Their, their souls, if you could see them in the spirit, their souls are literally deformed. It doesn't even look right. It's all messed up. Why? Because all the stuff that they're feeding on, it's warping their way of thinking. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. God wants to feed you with the hidden manna. And then, then you can minister words of life to others. Praise God. Hallelujah. They can read you and they read the, the letter of Christ on you. You become like the two tablets of stone. They can read the commandments. They can read the love of God. They can read the mercy of God. They can read the judgment of God. They can read the kindness of God, the severity of God. They can read that in you because God's in you. You've become the Ark of the Covenant. And you have the hidden manna, and you can feed others with what you have received. Freely you have received, freely give. Praise God. And then there's Aaron's rod that budded. And in a sense, the Lord makes you that rod. And that rod represented God's choice. And the rod represents authority. Woo, praise the Lord. And you step into the authority of Christ, a co-regency, a co-reigning with Him. And the authority of the Lord is invested into you, and you use it. Wisely, not to hit somebody over, over the head with a rod, but no, it's just authority that you have been given. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. The church 
must not just be the messenger. The church must become the message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy 34. Praise God today. Verse 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses walked in great wisdom. And when he laid his hands on his young protege, his young disciple, that wisdom was imparted into the spirit and into the understanding of Joshua. When you spend time in the presence of the Lord, the wisdom of God is released into your life. It is impossible. Listen to this. It is impossible to stay spiritually ignorant or even spiritually stupid if you have been consistently in the presence of the Lord. You are very quickly discern the difference between good and evil. What's angelic and what is satanic? What is holy and what is a religious fraud? See, here's the problem today, even in politics. In politics, you have those that are glad to kill babies, and they'll say, but I'm a holy person. I go to church. I'm a Catholic, or I go to this church. I belong to that church. I belong to this church in Washington, D.C. See, it's all religious fraud. There's no meaning in it. But the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God allows you to see right through all of the phoniness. Mm -mm. And you realize those people don't even know what they're talking about. They're just using cliches, and they don't know God at all. And you have a lot of churches. I'm going to go further. You have a lot of churches in America where in many cases, half the church, they're not even born again. They're just going there. There are some churches, and I've sat in a few, where I would probably say 97%, maybe 98% of the people that are in that congregation, maybe of 2,000 people, are not even saved. They're not even saved. I remember that a very godly prophet said he was in a, a meeting one time. There's about 500 people in the church. He was sitting uh, in the congregation, and his wife was sitting next to him. And now this prophet was known all over the world as a very holy man of God, walking in the fear of the Lord. And he said that his wife went into a vision during worship when everybody had their hands up, and she could look in the spirit and what she saw was startling. Now, uh, the 500 people there in the service that had their hands up, only five people out of that whole group had white gloves on, representing purity and holiness in their life. Wow. Praise the Lord. Mm-mm. This is something that the Lord greatly desires for His people to move into, which is a place of maturity, a place of being the overcomer, a place of knowing the presence of the Lord and spending time with God in the Holy of Holies. Now the veil, of course, has been torn, the veil representing the flesh, the body of Christ. And so there is way, a way now into the very presence of God. But my friends, we need to be going there on a daily basis. Praise God. By not 
engaging in this walk with the Lord. It is very easy to become lethargic and to fall asleep and to be very mediocre and just to think, well, this is the way everybody is. But that doesn't mean it's God's standard. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. I have been in some churches and some organizations entire I'll give an example, even an entire ministerial organization that had zero interest in holiness, zero. They had zero interest in holiness. They, they never would ever want to hear a message on holiness or right living. All they wanted to hear was a different subject, which was their subject that they were a specialist in. They didn't want to hear anything else about living right, honoring God with your, with your life or with your body. Or, you know, with your, your sacrifice to the Lord. They didn't want to hear anything about that ever. Mm-mm. And, of course, I didn't stay very long in that organization. Praise God. The times that we're living in are times in which we must walk close with God and honor Him. We're in the very late hours. We have to serve the Lord. We must walk in the wisdom of God so that we can discern all the difference that would be for us, the truth and the lies. Praise the Lord. And you have to take your stand, even if it's not popular. If you're playing the popular game, you're in the most infant levels of the Christian faith. You're in the, you're in the, the diaper stage. That's like the baby Christian diaper stage. If you're compromising in certain areas just because you want people to like you, praise the Lord. Mm-mm. I have to tell you uh, that all of your likes on social media doesn't count for anything. Pastor Stephen, I want people to like me. That's nice. But many of those people that would give you a thumbs up or a like, uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to agree with you or stand with you should suddenly, you know, there become persecution or something like that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. See, there can be a Babylonian system that can be operating and you can be in in that system from the perspective of you have to transact in life. You have to do business. You have to go places and do things. But that doesn't mean that you just like become part of that and you're just, you know, you're, you're now just operating just like it. Because I can't find anything good about Babylon in the Bible except for the fact that it will eventually be destroyed. There's natural Babylon and there's spiritual Babylon. But there's nothing good at all ever mentioned about Babylon. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think many of these spirits try to penetrate and get into the church and to break the church down, to become worldly, to become sensual, to become crude and ungodly and debased in conduct and in speech. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But God's doing a work in His people of holy separation. 
Many Christians, they live in the outer court, but then you have the, the, the uh, inner court. Now you have the holy place and the most holy place. And the only true safe place is in the very presence of the Lord. And if you will walk with the Lord, He'll protect you from anything and everything that would be out there. And there's a lot of yucky stuff out there. And there could be some other yucky things that get released. But not only the things that are out there, but also the deception. That's what's so dangerous is the deception and the tolerance of the ungodliness that would try to be forced upon the church. You must take your stand. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you must be willing to speak the truth to people that if they're living in sin and they're Christians and you have the opportunity to talk with them that you don't just let that slide. Praise the Lord. You need that. You need to share the love of Christ with them and say, that's not right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lord. They'll actually respect you, even if they don't uh, like you for telling them that. And of course, you speak the truth in love. They will respect you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. The Lord is moving his people forward. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're seeing many of our freedoms eroded and taken away. But I believe that God will preserve his people. Praise the Lord today. Hallelujah. Now, in the presence of the Lord is joy and also a release of that wisdom. And what it does for you is that it causes everything, and I mean everything, everything in your life to become smooth. It's, it like becomes like vanilla. It's a very pleasing, smooth life. Hallelujah. Regardless of what you're going through. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Walk with the Lord and watch him deliver you from every situation. Walk with the Lord. Praise God. Turn away from all sin and walk close with the Lord. Praise God. Move away from shallow Christianity that makes fun of the reverence of God and the holiness of God and the greatness of God. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Move into the most holy place and don't ever come out. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see some of you, you have been pushing so hard to come into this walk with God, and you're just about to graduate into the eagle saint status. I would say, don't stop. Keep going. I'm seeing that right now in the spirit. And that really bore witness with, with some that are watching. You're almost there. Keep pushing. You're about to get your wings. You're about to get your badge. It looks like uh, in the spirit, it looks like an Air Force badge, which is a couple of wings. You're about to get that. Praise the Lord. And so that, that's a breaking free. That's a breaking free. And once you break free, you just maintain it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And for others, because you have fought 
to come into the overcomer position in the midst of the Laodicean casual lifestyle of not caring, of all the disinterest in the things of God. You have fought through that. And there's a new anointing coming to many of you who have pushed on. There's a new anointing coming, a new freedom. I sense for many of you, it's going to involve traveling. Hallelujah. And because of your love for the Lord, you're going to be able to go to Israel. I believe you'll be able to go every year to honor the Lord by going on a tour. Perhaps you could even come on my tour. But regardless, there's a new freedom coming for travel. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just kind of waiting on the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is ministering. I, I sense in my spirit some of you are wondering about the, the vaccines. Pastor Stephen, would you take the vaccine? As long as it's a vaccine that's like, you know, like a vaccine for measles or mumps or polio that knock those things out and you, you need it to travel, yeah, I would take it. Um, but if there's stuff in it that's, you know, not good, then we'll, we'll figure something else. There'll be other options. Praise the Lord. This thing of using stem cell research is very, very tragic, very awful, because that's coming from uh, dismembered body parts of precious little babies that were aborted. And that's how they're doing a lot of that research. So as long as none of that is in there, it's not, as long as it's not in the vaccine, then I believe it's ethical and it's okay to take it. But we want to find out first. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was listening to... Uh, Dr. Peter Daniels, and he had uh, been struggling with um, uh, the disease when you, you lose your memory and you, you can't remember things. And they were looking all over the world for a remedy. Remember, he's a multi-billionaire, so he has the finances to try to look for a natural solution. And they found a remarkable uh, drug that worked incredible. But when they did research into the drug, they found out that that drug contained uh, the DNA of the stem, stem cell research. The stem cells were in there. That's where, that's where they were getting the origins for that, that drug. And he said, I can never use it ever again. So he stopped. And he said, there's got to be something else. And they found it. They found a, a device that reverses all of that uh, uh, type of dementia and all of that memory loss. And he's been using it. And he's been doing really, really well. Praise the Lord. So God has our health in mind, and he'll take care of us. He'll always show us what to do. But I sense a new freedom, a new ability to travel to many places for the glory of God and for the purposes of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. The overcomer sword. Many of you are going to sense a sword in your hand in the coming days. And I'm not talking about months. I'm talking about days. A sword of authority. For others, it may, it may be more like a rod of authority. That all goes to the overcomer. Father, we give you praise. There's great rewards for walking close with the Lord, my friends. Eternal and on this earth as well as our true representative of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see many of you taking time to sit at the feet of the Lord, receiving that impartation of wisdom. Glory to the Lord. 
and you're going to always know what to do. Always. Praise God. Now, Father, we seal these things. We thank you, Father God, that you gave the solution of what to do when things weren't going well. Out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, which is to repent. To repent if there is sin and the enemy's breaking in and things aren't going right. Repent of sin that is being practiced and turn to you. So, Father, we thank you. That, that includes everybody. Nobody's exempt, not even if they're the president. It doesn't matter who they are. If there's sin that's being tolerated or practiced and that person is a Christian and they're continuing to do things that are sinful, we thank you, Father. There needs to be repentance and there needs to be prophets that will say it. And ministers, apostles, and evangelists that will say, this is, not, this is not the way that we live as Christians. Lord, we give you praise. In a spirit of love, these things need to be spoken. Father, we give you praise. Father, we thank you that those that don't live for you and don't uh, desire to honor you, we understand why they live the way they live. And they're, they're openly uh, proud of that. But Father, for those of us that would carry the flame of truth, and the torch of liberty. And for those of others, us that really do love you, your word, and our country, we thank you, Father God, that we must live for you. We give you praise, Father God, and we must follow your commandments. Thank you, Father. Let there be strength and grace released in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I want to receive Christ because I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't really want to serve the Lord. I still want to do my own thing. Well, then you're not a disciple because Jesus said, Teaching them to observe. That means to obey, to, to intently look at and obey and follow. To observe all things that I have commanded you. We must obey the commandments of the Lord. Praise God. Sin is sin. It'll kill you. It's not a good thing. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. Let your anointing come. The overcomer anointing. And the grace to continue the push. Father, we thank you that many of your saints are pushing through the breakthrough into this new realm. And, and, there will be the commissioning and the, ordi the ordination of some new generals. Watch out in the body of Christ that is coming. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. If you're watching today's program and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, my friend, you have a sin problem. But Jesus made a provision and a solution for the sins of humanity. And all you have to do is receive him as your Lord and Savior and commit your heart to him to live for him. And he'll grant you his eternal life. And he'll wash your sins away. If you would like to receive him now as your Lord and Savior and fully give your heart to him, pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner.
but you died for sinners. So Jesus, save me right now. I give my heart completely to you. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I give my life to you fully. In your name, I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can I just say this? You know what we don't need? You know what the American church does not need? We do not need another pop star, Hollywood star, celebrity or athlete to so-called get saved and give their testimony while they're still living like a rat. We don't need any more of that in the American church. Wow. And I would really appreciate it if these Christian magazines and Christian news outlets would stop putting all of these pop cultural icons on pedestals who are baby Christians who are still sleeping around and living ungodly and thinking, isn't this great that they've become a Christian? They're no more a disciple of Christ than there are mice running around on the moon eating cheese. It's just not happening. It's not happening. And we need to stop celebrating these fake testimonies. And if they really want to become a Christian, let them turn from their sin and start living like a Christian. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And if they want to give their testimony, they need to live for a while for Christ and prove that they're the disciple. Instead of us putting them up on a soapbox saying, look at them, they're famous. Now this will give traction for the church. This will make the church look good. Now, since when does the church need spokesmen like this? We're supposed to lead. We, we don't need the world's backing. Since when do we need the world to pack up, pat us on the back and give us their commissioning? It's supposed to be the other way around. We're supposed to be the light on the hill. Woo! Praise God. It says in the last days that the nations will stream to the mountain of the Lord. Why? We're the ones that got the answers. We have, we have the solutions. We have the message of eternal life. Not them. They're lost in their sins. Praise the Lord. So hopefully some of these uh, news outlets can spare us the, uh, the silliness of another pop celebrity that became a Christian, but they're, you know, you know, still sleeping around all the time and, uh, and still doing all their, their grotesque concert tours and stuff like that while supposedly naming the name of Christ. Whoo! And, and the celebrity pastors that egged that on. Mm -mm. While the truth is, many of the celebrity pastors are committing the same sins those guys are. Wow. Praise God. See, I've, I've been in the ministry for, for several decades now, and I know the yucky stuff. Look, if you think there's a swamp in D.C., in a political swamp, there's a swamp in the church. you got pastors that are doing wife swapping. you got pastors that are homosexuals. you got all kinds of crazy stuff. That's just not only talking about heresies and false teachings. And we have to start living right. 
what is a heresy? Paul, Paul listed the deeds of the flesh, and he started off with all the sexual sins, but he also lists heresies. Every heresy, every false teaching is rooted out of the flesh nature of somebody, some preacher that wants to live in the flesh and enjoy their sin, so they create a heresy. If you walk in wisdom and stay in the presence of God, you can discern so clearly that's a heretical teaching. That's nothing but a fleshly uh, 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 compensating teaching so that that person continued to live in their sin. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you'll give the Lord all of your heart, He'll heal you of diseases. He'll heal you of sickness. If you forgive anybody who sinned against you, and you really mean it, healing will rush into your life. If you walk close with the Lord, everything, everything will start lining up in a smooth, beautiful way. Everything will start to smooth out for you. But you can't keep compromising. You can't keep doing things that are wrong and expecting somehow that the full blessing of the Lord is going to work. It won't. Mm -mm. Some of you, you haven't taken flight because your engines Although they are jet engines, I'm speaking symbolically, metaphorically, you have like these jet engines that are ready to take you up, but you've like taken all of this goop and goo and you've just thrown it into your engines. And now your engines are all clogged up and gooped up and they, they won't work right. They won't ignite and light right. And so you can't, you can't fly the way God wants you to. So you're going to have to realize the horrific consequences of sin and stop playing around with it. And start walking and serving the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take Holy Communion today. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. And let's pray. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the body of Jesus. We sanctify the bread, the juice by this prayer. We thank you that this is holy. This is the body and the blood of Christ. Father, as we receive the body of Jesus, we just thank you, Father God, that all that you have prepared for us belongs to us. But Father, we must walk with you and honor you in the way that we live. Thank you, Father, as we receive the body of Jesus. We thank you for the, the analogy that Jesus gave. That if our right hand causes us to sin, cut it off. If our right eye causes us to sin, pluck it out. Father, we understand that your son was referring to a hyperbole, which was an exaggerated statement meant to make a great impact, to deal seriously with issues that would beset us. So, Father, we thank you that while we don't have to start cutting stuff off, it doesn't mean cut the sin off. So, Father, we give you praise as we receive the body of Christ. Father, we thank you that in a mystical way, we are that body, not just an American church, not just a Western church, we're a global church, and that includes our brothers and sisters in China, the underground church, in Iran, in North Korea, who lay it all on the line 
to have Christ as their Savior. So, Father, we thank you. We're, we're one body. And when they hurt, we hurt. We thank you for that identification of the fellowship of sufferings, the sufferings of Christ that are in our brothers. Father, we thank you that we, there's times we can feel that. And, uh, Father, I've been feeling that over the last 24 hours. So we thank you, Father God. We intercede. We intercede for them. Thank you, Father God. In a way, not that you would end the persecution, because sometimes there's an element of mystery where that can be your will. And it develops your people in a phenomenal way that other, other atmospheres can't create. But Father, even should we be in a place where there's lots of freedoms, we must still live that life of the living martyr to come into the richness that you have for us in Christ. Now, Father, we thank you. We receive the body of Christ now. We thank you for all of the doors that you're opening for us to go through. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Somebody, you just got delivered of an evil spirit, and that thing came right out of you. I don't know who you are, but an evil spirit just left you just like a few seconds ago. Praise God. It came right out of you, and it smelt bad. You could smell it. It's left you. Praise God. Your decision to fully commit to the Lord, the Lord has set you free from that tormenting power. That thing is gone. Praise the Lord. And for somebody, it was a condition you couldn't eat. You couldn't, you couldn't keep the food down. It was a digestive situation. And it, it was shutting you down. You couldn't enjoy certain foods and just all kinds of trouble eating. That thing has left you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. And I believe other healings are taking place right now as well. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Glory. Glory. We thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus, washing all of our sins away. Hallelujah. Let's pray this together. Father, if we've committed any sins, we ask that you would forgive us and wash all of our sins away. And we forgive anybody and anyone who has sinned against us. We forgive them. Thank you, Father. And Father, we pray that you would lead us away from temptation. We pray that you would deliver us from the evil one. And we thank you for safety and protection in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise God. Glory to the Lord. You know, Joshua got so attached to the presence of the Lord and the temple of the Lord that he just stayed there all the time. These are personal decisions that we make to move towards the Lord. And as you do, it'll move you into an anointing of leadership. It'll move you into an anointing of wisdom. Praise the Lord. I think some of you are going to be very surprised of where your commitment to the Lord, your all-out commitment to the Lord is going to take you. Praise the Lord. Give Him your all, and then He will open His very best to you. Thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Stay blessed. 
Bye-bye.